Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, which ones should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. 25000 dollars if I had not listened to Sex Toy Dave. Really? Couldn't find something from this show? Oh, tons of stuff. But, I would have $25,000 if I did not listen to Sex Toy Dave. So today we are doing one episode of the 1976 Saturday morning show, McDuff the Talking Dog. Mm -hmm. Now, this show did not run only one episode. However, it ran 13 episodes, two never aired... And the other ten are lost. Yeah, I mean, all of them were lost until very recently. Yeah, McDuff the Talking Dog, the only surviving episode, really only turned up uh, this year. Yes. Basically, the way I remember this going down is we were sitting on the couch and you were like, oh my god, this long lost media has just been dug up. McDuff the Talking Dog. Like, people have been searched. This is from the 70s, I believe? Yeah, 1976. Yeah, so the, people have been looking for this for years, and it's finally been unearthed. We have to do it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I pulled it up on YouTube, and it has under 2,000 views. So I was like, oh, nobody, nobody cared when it came out. But we're going to talk about it. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure where in the run... This episode is... Here's a Stay Doomed promise. If more episodes come up, you'll get an update to our Stay Doomed ranking. Yes. If they ever discover any more episodes of McDuff, the talking dog. So, this ran in a 1976 Saturday morning TV block. This only ran from September to November. Like, this was... Gone by the time even like winter 1977 came up. It was a three hour block of six live action shows. Um, the only one you've heard of is Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah, Land of the Lost. So that's six shows. Do you, do you happen to know the other ones? Uh, Wikipedia does. Oh, Monster just... Squad, Big John, Little John, The Kids from Caper, and Muggsy. None of these shows came back for the 1977 season. Though Land of the Lost was not in its first season. Okay. Um, But the other ones all were. So we were trying to capture kids because they liked Land of the Lost. Surely they'd like these other live-action shows. And that was not the case. Correct. All right. Um, none of the other ones are as lost, which is why it, this one's the one we're doing. Oh, this was the missing piece of the puzzle of um, this Saturday morning block was McDuff the talking dog? Yes. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to give you guys the rough premise before we get into the show. 
Because uh, if you don't know the premise, the show is nearly incomprehensible. Before we get into the premise, first off, the premise is McDuff the Talking Dog. But (laughs) I I want to also go over my experience with the premise, so don't reveal it yet. Okay. So let's start by pouring one out. Laura, what is your monstrosity? Uh, my monstrosity is great, thank you. Uh, I decided that this was a Saturday morning show, so I'd make a Saturday morning cocktail. So I blended a little bit of Liquor 43 just to have some liquor in it because gotcha. I, I don't really drink much right now. Almond milk, um, Nesquik, like chocolate milk, mm-hmm. and then I put it in a champagne glass Rimmed and topped with Captain Crunch. Mm. Because it is Saturday morning, and I love milk and cereal when I'm yeah. watching my cartoons. Milk and cereal. Cereal and milk. Gotta have your bowl. Gotta have cereal. Uh, we just had it? three different songs mentioned. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's really good. i blending... Oh, and I blended ice in, so it's got like right. a... It, it's very hot in the studio today. Yes, it is. So uh, I wanted a slushy drink. It's really good. Like, I, I would actually make this outside of the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with the Captain Crunch. Uh, what, I, what what do you have that looks like everything else you have? Well, I also went with the theme of it's hot in here and I want to cool down. I tried my best to create the typical carnival blue coconut slushy. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this show takes place at a carnival. So I blended just ice and water. And so I had a nice concoction of crushed ice. And then I poured a little bit of coconut in the form of uh, Malibu rum and a little bit of blue curacao to give it blue. And I just kind of poured that over the ice and let it like run through. So I have that perfect mix of every spoonful is blue, but tastes mostly like ice. And there's like blue stuff at the bottom, but it's mostly just like leaking out down your arm. So you're just kind of rushing to get to that sugary goodness. Yeah, and you got a lot there. So you, you've got a lot of ice. you got a lot of ice to go through. But it, it's hot in the studio, so this is good for me. Mmm. That is bland. Mm, yeah, mine is actually delicious because mine, mine's got that chocolate milk. Because mm. I found when I blend regular milk, it's... It always turns like weirdly foamy and I don't like oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It froths. Um, so I really like blending almond milk because it, I get the creaminess without getting the f- weird froth I don't like. Mm-hmm. And that is Laura Blender thoughts while Noah gets brain freeze. Yeah. Yeah, get excited for when I suddenly have brain freeze. So let's jump into the show. And first, let's talk about the pre-show. Yeah. Once we decided that we were doing McDuff the Talking Dog, I spent... Two to three days singing a pretend theme song to McDuff the Talking Dog? He did. McDuff the Talking Dog, and I'm talking and I'm a dog, I'm gonna stop Macbeth. Like, just stupid stuff like that. You know what I'm realizing? We watched the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode where uh, Doug Judy and Jake Peralta keep making up theme songs for a crime-fighting team. Yeah. And your McDuff talking dog yeah. theme was heavily influenced by Both that. The thief and Jake the cop. Solve an adventure together. Also, there's a talking dog. Which is legitimately a line. Yes. So I've been singing that for the last, like, couple days. When we sat down to watch this, 
it started with a theme so song that is not that much better than mine. A talking dog, big and gruff, on the dust, said you blew it. You need my help as a vet, and I'll bet I can do it. I'm a ghost. I'm the funny, furry guardian of your family. Please don't boast. You're the only one who can ever see me. Half that Noah missed. Because I was too busy laughing. I was like, oh my god, it's the same as my theme song. So much is explained in this theme song. Uh, my other note is that the theme song is so strange. This could air at 4am on Adult Swim. Yes. And go incredibly it, viral. It feels like too many cooks. Yeah, like, but it feels like an, an intentionally older one. But this was so strange. And I feel like if Too Many Cooks was the 80s and 80s sitcoms, this was like the H.R. Puffin stuff era. Yeah. Which, you ever watch, like, one of those shows from the 70s? Yeah, he's your friend when things get rough. He's H.R. Puffin stuff. But, like... But, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare fuel. The Sid and Marty Croft shows are so strange. They're, like, the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. And... They kind of have this strangely unsettling vibe. Yeah, there, there's this time... Hey, today I learned HR Puff and Stuff only ran one season. Oh, boy. Get excited for that. that that'll that definitely happen, I'm sure. Uh, but there's this time in the late 60s, early 70s where... Or into the late 70s, really, where they kind of... They're still figuring out TV. Yes. And then they kind of have this idea of like... You know who probably watches television? Children. We should write some stuff for children to watch. But they have completely forgotten what it's like to be a child. So this is a fine example of not knowing how to write for children. So strap in. Let's actually get into this now. Yes. So this centers on Dr. Calvin Campbell, who is a vet. Right. And he is assisted... By Macduff, who is a dog that can speak to only Dr. Campbell, we think at first. Right. But also every other animal. Yes, he, he speaks the words of the birds and the beasts, I believe is the line from the song. Uh, however, we realize very quickly that other people can hear Macduff. Yes. But no one else can see Macduff. Yes. Because he's also half ghost. He is half dog and half ghost. And he's been watching over this vet's family for years. Yes. So, like, he is this talking dog ghost that has been passed down for generations. Right. Is the premise of this children's show. So, then what happens is if you were paying attention to the theme song, you see uh, Calvin operates out of a barn. Yes. So to speak. And there's a big sign that says, like, makes barn calls. Instead of house car calls, which I didn't understand. I just suddenly heard a laugh track. So I actually had to rewind it. Yeah. So I could be like, what is even, like, happening here? And I think we need to mention this before we go any further. I know we've barely scratched the surface. What we are watching is somebody filmed a 
projection of this. So this is like one of those reel-to-reel projectors. Yeah. That is showing this that someone filmed. So if you want to watch this yourself, epilepsy warning. Yes. Because the light goes in and out and you can constantly just hear of the film. So I'm sorry these clips are not great. So uh, then McDuff apparates into existence. Yes. And Noah reacts with horror and confusion because he was too busy laughing at the theme song. To realize that he's half ghost. Why would I not know that he's half ghost along with being half dog? So I'm like, wait, did you miss that he's half dog, half ghost from the theme song? And then we have to pause. Why can't he just be a ghost dog? Like, why does he have to be half ghost and half dog? He is a dog. He is a ghost. Because if he was pure dog, he'd go to heaven because all dogs go to heaven. You can't be a purely ghost dog. This predates that film. Yeah, but that doesn't predate that all dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven implies all dogs from all time. But what I'm saying is, saying someone is like half ghost and half dog is like saying someone is like, yeah, he's half human and half teacher. No, he's a human, and he's a teacher. Why do we have to include fractions? Because if he was pure dog and he was dead, he'd go to heaven. Was he alive at some point? If he was a ghost, that kind of says he was alive. That's not true about space ghost. Yeah, but like, wouldn't that make the dog a poltergeist? You know, because he can actually, he interacts with corporeal things, so he can't be entirely ghost. I guess that's why he's only half ghost. Yes. That's the dog part of him. Yeah, because he's more like dog poltergeist. Yeah. Following the rules of ghost. Because poltergeists can interact with their surroundings. A a, a poodlegeist. He's a sheepdog. That didn't work. Yeah, I was about to say, well, we tried. Um, Anyway. (laughs) So we're still in the first 30 seconds of the show. (laughs) Uh, There's an undernourished squirrel named Charlie who can't remember where he left his acorns. Yeah. Which... By the way, this is how Doolittle starts with, like, a squirrel needing medical attention. Yes, that's very true. So we're back on this train. Yeah, good. We needed this. And so then Calvin, the vet, yeah. promises the squirrel they'll deliver him a high-protein diet every day. Where I'm like, well, how do you have the means to do this? Yeah, you're just teaching him to be human-sufficient or human-reliant rather and than being a wild animal. McDuff will give him a ride home. And then we get a knock at the door. And this is how we introduce the first few characters, is these knocks. And, right. And we see Ms. Osgood, who is the housekeeper. Right. I forgot about Ms. Osgood. Because this is a show in the 70s. And in the 70s, um, I, was, I was actually reading about this recently not for the show. Yeah. It was much more common to have domestic help in like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And this is the woman Calvin lives with. Okay. And he also lives with his uh, little sister, which we'll get into. Right. And Calvin hasn't been paying the grocery bill. Right. So Calvin is financially strapped. Yes, like all doctors are. Well, he's a veterinarian who works out of a barn and treats squirrels with a daily meal service for free. Yeah, that's true. So he's not a very good money-making vet. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd think by being a vet he would that could talk to animals, he'd be insanely wealthy. Right. But, you know. Uh, and we find out that no one else can see McDuff. Right. 
hijinks. Because we have this hijinks of the squirrel is shown like floating. Yes. Because it, it should be pointed out that while the vet is the only person that can see Macduff, everyone else just sees nothing. Like yes. he's invisible. But we as the audience sometimes see him. And sometimes don't. It's based on who we are, um, whose point of view we're supposed to be seeing. So, there's this moment where the the squirrel is just kind of floating in the air is what we're seeing. But we're supposed to understand that what the vet is seeing is just a squirrel riding a dog. And she kind of just shrugs it off. Like, yeah. she doesn't care. But then we meet another character. Yes. Uh, we meet Colonel Clarence, who looks like a prospector. He wants to lease some of Calvin's land, because Calvin apparently lives on a large parcel of land. Yes. For carnivals. I got a proposition for you. I'd like to lease part of your land here. You see, I, I put on friendly little country fairs and sort of carnivals you might say, and uh, some of your property here would be a perfect location. I'm prepared to offer you $50 a week and a shipper of the profits. $50? Well, it's a most generous offer, Colonel. I, well, I guess I have to say it's a deal. And Calvin accepts because he's so hard up for money. Right. But he asks no further questions. He's mm. just like, okay! Yes, money, please. And... But then we see the squirrel floating, and there's this kind of like, well, you've heard of flying squirrels. Yeah. And he goes, well, they usually don't change direction in midair. It's like he doesn't know which way he's going. It shouldn't really be on Calvin to explain this situation. Yeah. Because, like, I don't understand why this prospector would go, oh, my God, look at that flying squirrel. There's something wrong with you, Calvin. Because Calvin could just go, yeah, that's weird, ain't it? And then that would kind of be it. Yeah, there's a lot of Calvin trying to cover up things. Like, there's there's this constant threat of whenever something like this happens, that the idea is this person is going to go, hey, look at that weird floating squirrel. You have a half-dog, half-ghost helping you, don't you, Calvin? We also, ah, you got me. We also don't get any idea of uh, consequences. If What if somebody does find out? And say, like, yeah, I do. Screw off. Yeah. Oh, I have a half-dog ghost. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> ghost, bite your nuts. Which he can do, because he's kind of more of a poltergeist. Anywho. There's a lot of that, anywho. Yes. This turns out to be a scheme by the devious man. Uh, Yes, it's the devious Amos Ferguson. Amos Ferguson. His plot is he wants to steal Calvin's land. So he's conducted a... He's got this scheme that he's tricked Calvin into holding an illegal carnival. He doesn't know that it's against the law to hold a carnival in this area. <laughs> and when they open for business, we get the sheriff to close them up. <laughs> so that when the cops come, he'll be able to swoop in and steal this land. Yes. And then uh, this 
the actor who plays Amos, most people know him from WKRP Cincinnati. Is that who that is? He's also the molester from that episode of Different Strokes. Oh! He's the bicycle man. He's the bicycle man? He's the bicycle man. Oh, that makes his relationship with whatever that other person is. It, it's supposed to be his nephew. It's supposed to be his nephew, but like... I don't... There's something racist about it. <laughs> like, I don't think he's a race, but there's something like, ooh, this is a stereotype. Uh, no, it's the stereotype. It's, um, it's the actor who is slightly too old to be playing a teenager. Yeah. Trying to play a nerdy teenager. Yeah. Because um, I think the example that I, I want to use here is Bud Frump from How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Okay, good pull. Like, that kind of, like, dweeby, like sanctimonious dick character. <laughs> and uh, that was this... It was a very specific character that was constantly seen... Yeah. In, um... In, like, the 60s. It was yeah, kind so you, of a stock character. I'm trying to look up the name of the actor who I'm thinking of. Because it's like that slapstick character where they're just so awful... That if something terrible were to happen, like they were to be hit with a hammer, yeah. you would think it is funny. So that, and, oh God, I just hate all of this. And now that I know he's the bike shop owner, I'm so upset. I'm glad um, I could, you know, ruin everything for you. But let me just say this while you're looking this up. The plot of this children's show is about a scheme to gain real estate. It's not really about a talking dog. No. No, it's really not. I don't know why they thought children would like this. So this was like Charles Nelson Riley's, like bread and butter. Like he played Bud Frump in Had Seed in Business. And it's just a sanctimonious little twit. Yeah. So that like, you're kind of happy to see crap happen to him. Uh, think about like Eugene in Greece. Like, oh. that type of character, that, like, just insufferable dweeb. Yeah. Um, Minkus? Boy Meets World? Like a Minkus, yeah. Yeah, but the, but this character, he just looks a little too old to be playing this character. And just like a Bud Frump, they always have, like, a weird name. His name is Squeaky Ferguson, and he is the nephew of Amos Ferguson. This is just, it's so bad. And the actor seems like he is clearly far too old. Oh, yeah. To be playing this role. Yeah, the the conniving nephew sidekick. And he's kind of bumbling. Usually this character is not wholly evil. Right. Because to be evil would require a level of competence the character doesn't usually have. Right. Um, the most modern example I can think of off the top of my head is like Bulk and Skull type yeah, characters. Yes, yes, that's a good comparison. So then immediately Amos Ferguson goes and rats out Calvin to the sheriff. Right. And then Calvin is kind of stammering and like trying to defend himself, and McDuff goes, Psst, what about my 
Calvin's land isn't really within the town boundary. It's county land, and therefore it's allowed to have the carnival. Yeah. Because you know what kids love? Kids freaking love land disputes. Why is knowing obscure laws about zoning the power of a talking ghost dog? I mean... Ghost dog. I mean, like, you've presented a problem... For the ghost dog to present, to, to save Calvin from. Yes. It's like, okay, he's accident, and that problem, just to say it again, is he's accidentally put on an illegal carnival. Yes. How would a ghost dog solve this problem? I don't know why they went with, well, he knows an obscure law, of course. Like, why? Like, that's the most uninteresting way to do this. And the way that they show this, just so you know, is it's four people arguing. Calvin, the cop, the person who owns the carnival, and the evil person. Oh, and the nephew. So it's five people arguing. Yeah. And then it cuts to a bush. Yeah. And from the bush, we hear, hey, what about this whole extra law no one heard of? Because the dog's invisible. So instead of showing the dog, they show nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's so that we can see what the sheriff and Ferguson see. Because they don't see anything when they look in the bush. Right. It's because you talked about how they don't know how to write for children. Because they think kids are stupid. They have to keep reminding us that no one else can see the dog. Right. Um, and I understand the effect of making something like semi-transparent might have been difficult in 76. Yeah, they probably didn't have Pepper's ghost money. But, uh, uh, For this obscure Saturday morning kid show. And, oh, my next note, which we just talked about squeaky at length. Uh, who is the weird little twit with the glasses? Um... <laughs> Oh, and then before they break up the fight, McDuff bites the back out of the bad guy's pants, which is like such a old-timey yeah. dog gag. Yes. And now there's a carnival. So, yeah, now there's a carnival, and we learn that the carnival is crooked. Yeah. The big things like um, that they, they pull off is the old milk can game. Mm-hmm. You throw the ball at the milk cans, and you can knock them all over. You win a prize, but there's a switch that's like a big cartoon, something that would turn on the electric chair switch that turns on a magnet that yeah. makes it impossible to knock them over. Yes. So. So Squeaky can't win a stuffed animal and he's upset. And then the Amos, the villain, wants to prove the game is rigged. So he gets the sheriff. Right. And... Uh, McDuff quickly, or no, the colonel quickly throws the, uh, switch, and the sheriff knocks over the three bottles in one pitch. Yes. Ain't nothing to it. So, we had the problem that 
the carnival was going to be exposed as fraudulent. And it's now been solved in that now everyone believes it's not fraudulent. Mm-hmm. But then the dog's like, well, what if it really is fraudulent? We got to do something. Which, so it, the dog kind of invents a problem that's not there. Because there's kind of this element of, well, if it's fraudulent, don't go to the carnival. You have vet shit to do. <laughs> yeah. But the, I guess the carnival's on his land. Oh, right. So he, he would be, he might be culpable. Right, but the police officer <laughs> already did his investigation. And I was like, nah, it's fine. Ferguson, you're just terrible. Yeah, I guess if the carnival is crooked, there won't be any money. So Calvin can't pay the grocery bill. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, the solution to this is Calvin's going to go and win the games Mm -hmm. with the help of Macduff, the talking half-ghost, half-dog. Yes. So, we get these sequences of him, like, throwing the ball to knock down the bottles. They don't fall over. And then they seem to fall over on their own. Because the ghost dog no one can see knocked it over. Yep. I, I also want to point out that there's three states for this dog. There is there is no dog. Uh-huh. There is real dog who has been given peanut butter. So yes. it's kinda of going mwah. And world's most horrifying puppet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, it has no eyes when it's a puppet. Like, it's just, oh, it's so bad. Uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to pull something up because I was curious because I have another note about Squeaky. Uh, in case you were curious, the actor playing Squeaky was, in fact, 30. 30? Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah, like, he is... He's, like, also well into his career when this happens. Like, he's been acting for, like, a decade when he does this. Let's try to get him on the show. Is he alive? Oh, he's still alive. Excellent. Could you, like, first off, asking him to be on the show would be the most insulting thing in the world. Because, like, you said he was well into his career, right? Yeah. So this guy's probably had a a solid 30-year career. And we're going to call him up and be like, hey, can we talk to you only about McDuff, the talking dog? I mean, he's had a long career. I'm not I'm not sure I would say it was like a... A booming one? He's been in a bunch of stuff, but like one episode here, one episode there. Right. On MySpace. So he's a character actor. So... Calvin goes and he he starts winning all the games. Yes. And what I love in this sequence is the prizes. Yeah. One's a TV. Like, he wins a game, he wins a frog. He wins another game, he wins a television. Yeah. He wins another game, he wins a fairy. He wins another game, he wins a toaster. Yeah. And the whole time there's this idea, he starts like giving them away to people who couldn't win prizes. And there's this kind of feeling of like, I really need to win this toaster. Like this, this is, this is how I was planning to eat was to win 
at rolling this ball through a hole. Yeah. And he's giving away all the prizes to the uh, disgruntled townspeople who were mad they hadn't won any prizes yet. Right. So he, he seems friendly and happy to everyone. And then the little girl, Kimmy, who is Calvin's sister, doesn't think she can win a prize. Mm-hmm. But Calvin preaches, like, toxic positivity. Like, of course you can. Yeah. If you believe in yourself, because it's the 70s. Well, the dog also says, have her do it. If she wins, no one will think this place is crooked. Yeah. And everyone goes, who said that? Which, first off, I can't believe Calvin is so stupid that he wouldn't have thought of let his little sister win a prize on his own. That is something that required guidance from Ghost Dog. The ghost dog that's passed down through the family line. That she doesn't see. Exactly. <laughs> that's actually something that really bothers me in this but, show. Like, Well, she it hasn't been passed down to her yet. So she has to murder Calvin to see this yes. dog. I want to see the delayed sequel ten years later when she goes insane and murders Calvin because she keeps hearing voices in their house. I have a whole bit I have a whole pitch about this for the end of the episode. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, Ruining it. And then uh, even the evil, evil, evil Amos Ferguson wins a game. Yes. But the ball bounces and hits him in, he- in the head so he can fall into a horse water trough. Yeah. Which in the 70s is the peak of comedy. Yeah, there's also a shot where Calvin does it in the end credits. Yes. It's so funny when someone falls into a horse trough. Yeah. Why is that a thing? I think it's because, like, TV in, like, the 50s, the biggest things were, like, gun smoke and, like, wagons forward or, like, lots of Western stuff. Yeah. And, like, falling into a horse trough was, like, one of the go-to things you could do because they didn't have cream pies in Westerns. So that just became a staple. Because, like, oh my god, not only did they fall, but now they're wet. Okay, so it was a way to kind of pull off physical comedy. Yeah, it it was a thing because of the popularity of the Western uh, in that time. It became, like, the standard as a pie gag. Okay. I dig that. Yeah. So, then his nephew falls on top of him for no reason, too. Yeah. And now they're both in the horse trough. Oh, no. So now they have get, they've won all the prizes. They've cleared out the carnival, so they, they can't even run anymore. But they have proven that the carnival is legitimate. Yes. That is when the police come and arrest the prospector for his rigged games. Yes. What was the point of any of this? I don't know. Say, well, I mean, like, I understand if you're in the situation where it's like, well, everyone's got to get their just desserts. He's got to be punished for running their cricket games. But I think it was punishment enough for Calvin to shut down the carnival by winning all the prizes. Yeah. That do it, like, undoing everything and having him then get arrested, it at least should have then caused the suspicion of, wait, if this was rigged, how did Calvin win? I bet he had a talking ghost dog. Yeah. 
And then that's the end of the episode. No, no, no. Okay. Because the the last line has haunted me. Oh, okay. I actually didn't write it down. They kind of like have this like final moment talk. Where they talk about what they learned. What they learned and stuff. And Calvin goes, I never really did ask you, but how did you get to be a talking dog? I took after my father. And then Calvin makes a big face, there's a laugh, and they hug. And I have not been able to stop thinking about that joke, because there's no way to understand it. Yeah, that's... wait. But... but the dog is 200 years old. Exactly! It doesn't mean anything! I got nothing. And that's the end of the episode. And the end of our McDuff experience. That was the close. I was like, wait, he takes... Like, there's so many questions. I don't have answers Uh, for most of them. You're right. It's just ice now. There's no blue flavoring left. There's just big chunks of ice left in my drink. How are you doing? So you got any fun research for us, Laura? Uh, I actually covered a lot of it in the, the uh, primary thing. This is so rare. This isn't even at the Paley Center. I wanted to look uh, oh, because wow. I know we've talked about post-Pando uh, going to New York and revisiting the Paley Center. Yes. So uh, I was like, could we maybe like sneak another episode of this in? Mm-hmm. In our two-hour allotment. Yes, but no. like this. No, is, they don't even have it. This is a crazy obscure thing that we wanted to put more eyes on. Like, th- like there was no demand for us to do this episode. No, nobody, want, nobody asked for this. But, like, this is such a like, obscure curio that we were just so drawn to it, we have to do it. And I'll say this. I didn't hate this. I I have not laughed as hard as you uh, being like, wait, what happened? The wait, what? When he apparates into thin air. Like, oh, he's a ghost dog as Because well. of how it required you to have paid attention to the intro, which most people skip. But like, you already have a talking dog. Why make him a ghost? Like, and <laughs> I will say like, I, there's a lot of footage in the opening sequence to show that, like, a lot of stuff happens. Like, there's an episode with an elephant. Yeah. Like, there's an episode with, with an orangutan, I believe. Like, I... Yeah, and he's probably ran. Like... Th- this is a very strange curio that I just want to know how it got created. I want to know, like, who was like, listen, I have a great idea. Macduff the talking dog. And then who was like, I love it, but can we make him a ghost? I, I think what it is, is this was so obscure. This ran, again, like, I, I was going to say this ran for one season, but the, it's, of course we did it stay doomed. Mm. But this was lost and no one missed it. Right. Like, this is such a weird show. It's, it's a Saturday morning cartoon. And like, Think about the Saturday morning media you consumed. Anything before one Saturday morning, which was like in the mid-90s, is a little blurry. Yeah. And we have way more resources to access 
what was the Saturday morning lineup in 1990 whatever? I know we found like somebody had uploaded an entire VHS from like 93 of uh, Saturday morning on Fox Kids. Right. And I watched about an hour of it. Yeah. Uh, because I found it really interesting academically. And no one who grew up, the target audience for this was born in like 1968 to 70. Right. So they're not looking for this one season. It ran for two months. This no one was looking for this, and it, we don't have the VHS and the lo- and the craving for lost media that right. kids of the eighties and nineties do. Yeah, I we're, think we're, like kids from the eighties. If we think we saw something once, we will hunt it down like a dog, yeah, ki- like a talking half ghost dog. Yeah, kids of the seventies by the eighties just accepted that that stuff was never going to be seen again. Yeah. So like. To find this is, like, is special, but man, is it weird, because it doesn't feel like a real show. But it was, and now you know about it. Yes. Stay doomed. <laughs> it It is very much a stay doomed. It is a strange, weird, pointless little show. I I would love to do this show today. And have it be those wacky hijinks, but then also have this, like, really dark, like, the curse of the dog and dealing with that. Like, how great would it have been to have dealt with all of this, like, insane carnival banter and then got home and then had McDuff, the ghost dog, be like, well, Calvin, we got out of that jam. Time for the sacrifice. You went in a way darker. <laughs> just like black cloaks come on. It's like, yes, Macduff. I need you so we can keep this land. Oh, I was thinking of like more hundred. I still, in mine, it was still a kid show. I was thinking more like hundred deeds for Eddie McDowd of like, we don't know what Macduff did in a past life, but he, <laughs> he deserves this fate. I'm thinking like Thackeray Binks. Yeah. Or Salem. Yeah, like... (laughs) From Sabrina. Oh, I knew who Salem was. I know our listeners might not. If you're you're listening to this, you probably know who Salem is from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I'm just, I have that faith in you. That's very sweet of you. But yeah, I, I think you could make this show very funny because it's so ridiculous to sudden to also have the have this like really serious dark tone, which is add more silliness to this. Yes. Which I think would be fun. That's how I would save it. That would be my could resurrect it. But you shouldn't because it's a stupid show about a talking ghost dog. I just, I wanted to say how kids from the 80s will hunt down something they saw once on TV like a dog. And then I had a thought of something that I wanted to hunt down. And in under five minutes while recording this, I found what it was, and then I'm going to see if I can find it. All right. Nickelodeon's Thanksgiving Fest. Because I had, like, this terrifying memory of this cartoon short. So I'm going to watch it later, and I will report back to you if it was as terrifying as I remember. Oh, oh okay. Housekeeping time. Okay. <laughs> uh, so 
I wanted to just officially announce this. We had a tie when it came to our Patreon-exclusive episode, our crowdfund crypt episode, between season one of Killer Camp yep. and Nickelodeon Giveaways. Yes. And uh, we discussed it with the patrons, and we're going to do both. The review of season one of Killer Camp will be exclusively on our Patreon. So yes. if you want to... Join our Patreon, talk to us on our Discord, and help us decide what's going on here and listen to that particular episode. Be sure to join our Patreon. It's super fun. We'd love to talk to you. And we've decided that Nickelodeon Giveaways will be an actual special episode of Stay Doomed. So join our Patreon and thank our patrons for causing that tie so you can get that super fun episode. Also, thank you to Matthew for being a crowdfund Crypt Keeper. Laura, what are we watching next week? Editor Noah here. We had to change a few things due to time constraints, and you might notice that this was not the episode that you thought you'd get this week. So I just wanted to pop in here and let you know that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the BBC show, will come out next week. Sorry for the delay. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want to help me create my dark version of Macduff the Talking Dog, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you think that we should have to watch H.R. Puff and stuff, I'm at Sprocket League. Until next time, stay doomed. Quiet, Macduff. He's a talking dog, Laura. (laughs) Why would he be barking? Yes, and... (laughs)